continue to pray for Cody and Anna Watson. Uh, had a chance to talk with a um, little bit back and forth, texting and communicate with Cody some. Um, Anna uh, has had a feeding tube uh, permanently installed. Um, they were asking us to pray for that because it could be a, a major um, deal because she's expecting. Um, but the surgery went 15 or 20 minutes just like they were hoping everything went as best as possible for her. Um, so she has started some chemo uh, treatment. She will be taking chemo for um, three or four days this time around. And then the plan is is for her to um, uh, go home for a couple of days, uh, maybe a week or two. I don't know the details yet. At this point, they're still trying to figure all that out. Um, and then... She'll have to come back for some more chemo. Uh, then after that point, Lord willing, the baby will be to where they can deliver. She can deliver her baby. And then um, she'll go back for some more chemo radiation. I would, act, I would actually like you to pray for a specific thing. What we've been hearing is, is they're probably going to have to remove her tongue completely. And so um, what that means is that's an 11 to 12 hour procedure. Um, because they're thinking that that's where the tongue is, the cancer is right now contained to her tongue. And so that they can then, they'll go back in and formulate something like a tongue. I think they call it a flap um, for her tongue. I'm just praying that that doesn't have to happen. Um, so would you pray with me in, in that process? Um, that's, now obviously, that's not, that's worst case scenario, but that keeps coming up over and over again. As I've talked to Johnny, and Johnny said the doctor said this and that. So I don't know, so don't, you don't have to go out in the community and say, this is what we've heard at church, okay? Uh, we're just asking the Lord to um, um, protect her tongue. I mean, she would be able to talk again, but she'd have to go through a whole new uh, speech therapy. Uh, I'm just asking the Lord also that whatever chemo that they're given would actually just go straightly to, straight to that cancer and just kill the cancer, not cause any other problems you know, for, for uh, Cody and Anna. Uh, they are expecting a son, and I shouldn't know his name, but I, Corbin. Um, he is 25 weeks. He's a little bit um, small, but everything is fine at this point. Um, she's 27 weeks, but he's, they're measuring him at 25. And so, you know, even if it was a, you know, had to be born. Corbin, I, is from what I understand, weighs about five pounds um, right now. And so just excited about that and uh, uh, asking the Lord also um, for what that, when Anna can go home, she can actually give herself her own nutrition. So if she wants juice or whatever, she can do all that stuff through her own, her own uh, feeding tube. Uh, what's been uh, interesting is, as Cody did text me, uh, we've been praying for Cody. Uh, he wants God to be uh, glorified through this. He wants to be a testimony of God's grace in this. So um, he texted me yesterday or that day or so ago and said um, he went down to see the financial person. I have no idea what that's going to look like. Um, you know, Cody said, you know, in the text message, he said, I sat down with this person. I said, I'm just trusting the Lord that he'll take care of us. And the lady across the desk started crying because she's a Christian, he's a Christian, and they're asking the Lord to take care of their family. And so, um, you know, Cody had a chance to be a witness I didn't, uh, I'm excited for Cody. I don't like the plan. I think it's ridiculous. I think God has totally messed this up personally. Um, 
But that's my personal opinion. He didn't consult me on this. So, um, but I'm praying that the Lord, that Cody and Anna would keep their eyes fixed on Jesus through this process. And um, so the Lord is using them at Tampa General. They like their doctors, like their nurses. And so uh, what was really cool is the Lord led, led them around, uh, kind of a long way around to find Tampa General. Uh, they were, went to Moffitt first. Moffitt does not have even an OB unit for cancer moms. But Tampa General does. And so I'm um, just excited about how God got them there. And um, so we're just asking the Lord to continue to, to heal them and, and use them. And so I know that they would appreciate your prayers. Also, would you like to pray for Terry and Becky Leapart? Terry's mom passed away. And uh, so they're going to have a service for her uh, on Monday afternoon at 4 o'clock. And so I know that the Leapart family would appreciate your prayers. Also, I'd like to be praying for the Crouch family, Ed and Jean. Uh, Joe's eyesight is getting worse, so she's in Wachula right now as rehab technically. But the Lord needs to open a door for her to be someplace where they can be, she can be taken care of. 24 hours a day, it's, you know, Gene and Ed cannot do that. And so they would ask, and just, I'm asking you to be praying for them. Uh, also, we have a, uh, a person that we don't know, but we've been made aware of their illness named Cindy Green in our community. I'd like you to pray for her. They don't attend church, and so I don't know if they're involved in the church anywhere. So just ask the Lord to open the door. Um, she has cancer, I think, right? Is that what we're, yeah, she has cancer. So Cindy Green, you've added her to your prayer list that God would draw him to Herself, if he doesn't know, if she does not know Jesus as her personal Savior, and I've already told you about fast car. So when you leave this morning, I'd like for you to be praying for that. One last thing that I'd like just to let you know and and uh, be praying about. I want to encourage you to be praying about how God wants you to be involved with the men's, Joe and Joanna. Um, because I've been involved in missions, I know what Joe does, and so uh, coming to a church, presenting your ministry. Um, it's kind of humbling as a person, but I know if we, if I started asking you some questions, all of you have your retirement plans. Some of you are excited about them. Some of you are not so excited about them, but you are investing for your retirement here and now on this earth. I would like for you just to take a minute and stop and say, God, what am I doing for eternity? And I don't want you to think about amounts. I want you to think about, God, what is my part? What do you want me to do for the men's? I know they need two things. They need your prayers. Um, They need the Holy Spirit of God to move in young people's lives at Jeju Island, on Word of Life Island, or uh, Word of Life um, Ministry in Korea on Jeju Island. Uh, God has provided a miraculous piece of property on Jeju Island. God has sent literally... Lincoln Logs from Ohio. Uh, the reason I know that is uh, Lou Nichols is a person that I work for at the Bible Institute. I was responsible for splitting his wood and plowing the snow in his driveway. We became friends, and Lou's two sons are now in Asia, and they're responsible for, for Word of Life uh, Korea. Uh, Lou built himself a log cabin in Scroon Lake, New York, and so his sons decided, why don't we see about how we can get these Lincoln Logs from Ohio to Jeju Island, and so they're there. That property is built out of a log cabin uh, design. And so God has provided a property. God has provided opportunities for ministry. We just ask in the Holy Spirit that God would open up hearts in that community. I don't know if you saw Joe's slides. He said one of those slides said 43 people will commit suicide in Korea a day. You know what that number is for a year? 
I didn't know either. That's why I went and got my iPhone and did my uh, multiplication on my iPhone. 15,000 plus. 15,000 plus. Why? No hope. No hope. And we have an opportunity to partner with a young man and his wife if it's just praying for them. Saying, God, help Joe and Joanne in that community. They desperately need your prayers, I believe, first. I also would challenge you to think about how you can support them financially. You say, well, Pastor Todd, I don't have much money. Well, let me just tell you a quick story. Years ago, I had the privilege to be on Word of Life Island as a young man. Jack Wurtson was an insurance salesman in New York City. And he decided he was going to be involved in evangelistic rallies. And so he had big rallies in New York City. And so one day, uh, sisters came to him and said, we have an island in Screw Lake, New York. We think you should buy it for youth ministry. Jack wasn't interested in youth ministry, but Jack Wirtz and Harry Ballback. And there's one other person, and I can't remember his name. Those three men decided to go to Screw Lake, New York. Jack stood at the front of the boat telling everybody where they were going. Harry and the other guy did all the work to get Jack to the island. They got on the island. They walked around. They came back to New York City. Jack and these two guys went into this sister's prop, into her house, wherever they were, and said, we're, we're interested in buying the island. She said, okay, Sonny, what are you going to offer me? He says, I'll offer you $25,000. The other two guys looked at each other, looked at Jack. They walked out the door and said, Jack, we don't have any money. Jack said, God will provide $25,000 by the end of the month. God provided $25,000 by the end of the month. And God has started and established Word of Life Island, which I had the privilege to attend as a kid. I wish I could go around and shake every one of those people's hands, whoever gave a dollar, $5, dollars $50, $100. I don't care the amount of money. It doesn't mean anything to me. But God radically changed, began a changing process in my life on a Word of Life island. I think at times we say, well, we can only do $5. We can do $10. We can't do anything. We can just pray. The amount of money doesn't matter. But I think as a family, and you might not have a passion for Korea, and that's fine. Everybody loves different parts of the world. I shared first hour, knowing my daughter, uh, we will probably be Asian grandparents one day if she has anything to do with it. She loves Asian babies. And so uh, she's convinced in her mind that the best way to have a child is to adopt it. And so she's planning, you know, uh, is it going to happen? I have no idea. You know, she has her plans and the Lord has the other plans. But I know certain people have certain passions for the different places around the world. I just want you to be thinking about it as a family member. As a church, we're involved in missions. We support missions. Why? Because we want people around the world to meet Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I want one more person today in Korea that's thinking about taking their life to stop and say, you know what, maybe there's another solution. Is Word of Life Korea the ultimate solution? Are they going to reach every student? No. I got that. But what are we going to do to be part of our ministry around the world? I used to have, when we did missions, I had a um, stock certificate. And whoever supported Word of Life South Africa, I gave them a stock certificate. And said, thank you for investing in eternity. Here's your part of, your part of our company. We want to give you a stock certificate. What is your long-term heaven stock certificate going to look like? 
what are the dividends going to return? Where will you invest for eternity around the world? So I want you to think about that this morning. As you leave, I would love for you to just maybe just get on. You might say, Pastor Dodd, all I need, can do right now is just get on their email list. Get on their email list. When they send an email, you pray. When you find out the English camp is coming, can you believe people that, that Koreans will spend $400 to send their student to English camp for a week? How many of you want to go to an English camp for a week? I don't. But Koreans pay. Parents pay. They fly them to Jeju Island so that they can learn English. And that's one of the ministries that they're involved in. So I want you to consider that. If you have your Bible, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Second sermon. That was my first one. Sorry. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Pick it up in verse 5. Uh, remind yourself, this is Paul talking to Timothy. Most of us know that it's pastoral epistles. That's are neat. Those are good things for us to be aware of. But as a family, I want us to think about Paul talking to Timothy. He's going to encourage Timothy to be a leader in his community. He's challenging Timothy to stay in Ephesus. Why does he want Timothy to stay in Ephesus? Because there are certain men that are teaching false doctrine. And Paul is going to encourage Timothy to be a leader in that community. So as you think about the leader, and I realize that all of us think, well, you know, the leaders are people that are involved in big companies, okay? Forget about big companies. Think about your home. You're the leader in your home. You're at work. Whatever your environment is, wherever God has placed you, you are a leader. I guarantee somebody is watching you. Somebody's looking up to you and say, hey, there's a role mo- you're my role model. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. As a pastor, my encouragement to you is, is I ask myself this question, what type of leader will you be? My passion for you and for myself, I'll start with me first, I want to be a leader that surrenders to Jesus Christ daily. If I'm really honest, you know, as I woke up this morning and said, God, here's my life. I surrender to you. But the older I get, it's not just, the, it's not just in the morning. It's every single minute, moment of my life from then on until I take my last breath to go to sleep at night. I'm saying, hey, I'm going to bed tonight. I want to be surrendered all through the day, not just in the morning. Sometimes it's easy. I surrender to you in the morning. Then I got to drive to work. Then I got to go here. Then I got to bump into this person. Or I got to bump into that person. It's easy starting out. So I just want to encourage you to be a leader that surrendered to Jesus daily. I love the song, I Surrender All. I think we should say, I am surrendering, or I am continuing to surrender all. And so I want to encourage you as a pastor, as a friend, to continue to surrender your life to Christ. As we gather this morning, it's an opportunity for us to learn some things that Paul's going to share with Timothy. Here's something that I think is really interesting. The capacity to learn is a gift. The ability to learn is a skill. The willingness to learn is a choice. You've got a choice to make today. You're going to have some, some more words and things and thoughts and concepts that are going to fly at you today. You will have to make a choice to say, you know what, I'm going to learn or I'm not going to learn. I'm going to buy into this or I'm not going to buy into it. So this morning as you've gathered together as a family, I'm hoping that you're saying, you know what, I'm willing to learn today. Jesus, whatever you show me, I want to learn and go on. So if you have your Bible, say all that to go to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart, good conscience, and a sincere faith. So we're just going to do verse 5 today because of time. 
All right, the goal of this command. So what is Paul's goal for his command? His goal for his command for Timothy is love. So Timothy, I'm going to ask you to stay in Ephesus. I'm going to encourage you to, to go and talk to those people that are teaching false doctrine, but I want you to do it in love. I know that some of you in this room love confrontation. And there's others of you in this room that don't like it at all. And I think God gave us people that like confrontation. It's not a bad thing. But if you're, can you imagine Timothy? Paul says, Timothy, stay in Ephesus. So I'm, I'm just imagining Timothy. He knows who the people are teaching false doctrine. So how does he approach those people? How does he minister to those people? He knows what they're saying is wrong. But it's not Timothy's job to fix the wrong. It's Timothy's job to teach truth and to love those people. So if somebody comes up to you this morning and says, you know what, I don't like this, this, and this, and this about you, you're not going to turn to them and say, you know what, I really appreciate you. Have a great day. Unless it was Sam Gertz. We always giggle about Sam. He could tell us everything that we were doing wrong, and we would still be smiling at the end of our conversation. That's just the gift that Sam had. All right, but most of us don't like it when people get in our face and say, hey, this is what you're doing. You need to change. You need to change right now doesn't work does it most of us are going to turn the other direction we're going to walk away we're going to think some words that we probably aren't going to say in church and we're going to walk away from that person thinking you know what they are absolutely crazy so paul's going to encourage timothy to go ahead and stay in ephesus to teach sound doctrine he's going to encourage them to love them now i want you to define the word love I do not think our society defines the word love the way Paul was talking to Timothy. Okay? This is not going to be a feel-good thing for Timothy. All right, so as you think about that, go with your Bible, John chapter 13. I want to define the word love with you. John 13. Jesus is with his disciples. He's he's taught a lot of different things to them. He's talked to them. He's walked with them. And now he says this to them. John 13, 34. A new command I give you. All right? So he's going to give them a new command. What's that command? Love one another. My Bible, I've circled the word love one another. And I've drawn a line to this part. As I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Is it if if I feel nice about my disciple friends? No. It's linked. If you love the way Christ loved. He wants these disciples not just to say, hey, I love you. Oh, yeah, this is great. I love you. He wants them to love sacrificially the way Christ did. You and I all know that Christ died on the cross. At this point, when he's talking to disciples... That he's not dying. He's, not, he's still there. The ultimate gift of love was for him to say, well, here's my life. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to sacrifice it to you. Another great passage of scripture to define the word love, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I know if, if you're involved in any type of relationship, you want sacrificial love and you want somebody to love you based on this passage of scripture. This is how I define the word love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this. Love is, what is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Uh, Verse 4, it does not envy. 
It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Circle verse 8, draw a line down to verse 11. Then says this, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put my childish ways behind me. Love is a choice. It is not a feeling. One of my things I like to do because my children are older, I like to watch parents with small children. I love to watch little children pitch a fit. I know that's bad, but I love it. Because you can just see the blood pressure going up in parents' lives. I mean, you can just see it happen, right? So it's, it's kind of humorous when they're three, four, for us watching, not for the people that are involved. I understand it. Not for them. That's just too much, okay? But how many of you want to be involved in a friendship or relationship with somebody that's 75 years of age that still acts like a two- or three-year-old? None of us do, right? And I think that's called spiritual maturity, where we say, you know what? I'm no longer, with the help of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, I am no longer going to act the way I acted when I was a child. I'm going to love. All of us sitting in this room, we want somebody to love us who is patient, who is kind. We all want that. But I'm not sure that we're willing to say, you know what, we want this. This is what I want from you. What the Word of God is going to challenge you and challenge Timothy and challenge me. Are you going to be willing to be that person? So Paul's really saying to to Timothy, um, hey, I want you to love these people, but I want to empower you to do that. I want you to love somebody that's going to be different. Your point of view is going to be different. You know what, what Timothy's going to find out in a hurry? He's not always going to be right. He's going to go and talk to somebody about false doctrine, and they're not going to accept it. So what is Timothy's response? To have another meeting and correct them? No. Timothy's going to have to say, you know what? I'm going to love this person. How are these people going to know that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because I love them. And I believe love at times has to be telling somebody what you don't want to tell them. You have to tell them the hard stuff sometimes. It's not always just what's easy. You have to sit down and do the hard stuff. So Paul's going to challenge Timothy in that. Now he's also going to challenge Timothy with this. Love comes from a pure heart. And so as I think about the pure heart, let me give you a couple passages of Scripture. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. Paul's going to, when he's, in the concept as I think about the word pure heart, Paul's going to challenge Timothy to love these people and he's going to encourage Timothy to get rid of his self-centeredness and him being self-orientated. All of us have a tendency to worry about ourselves. Paul's asking Timothy, I want you to love these people from a pure heart. Get rid of yourself in your heart and, and, and love these people that are around you. Now, this is what's going to interesting. Ephesians chapter 2. We all started this way. Verse 1. Ephesians 2, 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you follow the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, um, we are all uh, nature's object of wrath. 
but because of God's great love. So what is true? All of us think about ourselves. All of us live as disobedient children. That's all of us. There's not one of us sitting in this room that passes on this part of Scripture. So Paul's saying to Timothy, hey, I want you to love them out of a pure heart. Timothy, as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, okay, what does that look like? I'm going to have to do something with my sin issue. Because if, if this is what somebody is like before they knew Jesus, then I don't want to be like that anymore. I want to be different. I want to change. I want to grow. So how do I change? Well, since you asked that question, I'd love to tell you. Um, you change because of verse 4. But because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ when we were dead in our transgression. It is by grace you've been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of grace expressing his kindness to us through Christ. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one boasts. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. What makes a Christian different? Christ inside of us. Don't expect somebody, if you think of two, one through three, that, that's what I would call an unbeliever. Do not expect the world to act any different than verses one through three. It's not going to happen. I expect somebody that has Christ inside of them to act differently. Why? Because Christ is inside of that person. That makes sense? Now go with me to Galatians chapter 6. So now that I have Christ inside of me, go with me to Galatians 6. Pick it up in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from, from the nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good as a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Verse 23 of Ephesians, or Galatians, I'm sorry. Sorry, Galatians 5, 22, not Ephesians. Sorry. So you go back to this, Galatians 5, 22. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have been crucified, crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, envy, uh, envying each other. So as I think about love, those are three verses. Paul's sharing to Timothy out of a pure heart. What does a pure heart look like? Fruit of the Spirit. Where does a pure heart come from? Salvation of Jesus Christ. It does not come from your own strength. It does not come from you being a nice person. So if, if Paul's going to encourage Timothy to love these people, he's going to ask Timothy to love these people from a pure heart. He's also going to encourage Timothy to love these people with a good conscience. When you lie down at night, do you feel bad about something you've said or done during the day? Maybe that's just the Holy Spirit speaking to you. 
Say, you know what, you made a mistake today. And I think it's important for us as believers being part of the family of God. When, when, I, when, I got, when I did the wrong thing and my dad found out about it, he usually wasn't very happy. He was usually angry at me. And so when I think about when I make a mistake, I think about God being angry at me. I'm not, I'm not real convinced that the Holy Spirit's mad at me. I think the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, come over here. I can help you clean this up. Come over here. I want, I want to show you what forgiveness looks like, feels like. He wants me to walk differently. He wants me to welcome me towards, hey, I want you to go in this direction. But I think at times in our lives, we're scared to be quiet because we're afraid he's going to pop some things into our minds. And then we're going to let him down. And because we let him down, we failed. Don't be afraid of failure. Failure is a great tool for us to learn. None of us like failing. None of us are going to sign up, let's fail today for the fun of it. No. But you learn some of your best life lessons when you let your guard down, you sit down with the Holy Spirit and say, you know what? And he brings some things to your mind to say, you know what, Holy Spirit? I recognize that what I did was wrong, and I'm asking you for forgiveness. I'm agreeing with you. Would you help me tomorrow? I want to be different. The other thing that he shows... Um, young Timothy says, you know what, I want to encourage you to love these people with a good conscience, uh, a pure heart, and a sincere faith. And I know this morning as I share with you, most of you, if you have your Bible, you can go to this passage of Scripture. Most of you say, hey, Pastor Todd, I believe in this verse right here. I got it. This really, it's a wonderful verse. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and and his word has no place in our lives. But chapter 2 says this, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. He died for us. So we can have forgiveness of our sin. And as we, as we sit in this room, all of us are saying, yeah, I probably say, hey, I, I believe that. But what's neat is, is, as you grow in your relationship with Christ, go to 1 John chapter 4 and pick it up in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Wow. So this morning, we've ran through some things. And this just kind of highlights it. Paul's saying to Timothy, hey, I want you to stand up, this young man. I need you there. Because there's people that are instructing false doctrine. But while you're there, Timothy, I want you to love those people that are around you. And Timothy, I, I, I want you to love them with a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. And you say, you know what? I mean, those are, those are nice things, and they, they preach pretty decent. But here's the truth. Love only comes from God. There's only one way Timothy's going to do this. It's through the help of the Holy Spirit. It's through the risen power of Jesus Christ. You know, on Friday nights, there's a college and career meeting, and oftentimes I leave that meeting with a headache because my mind is working so fast listening to these college kids. I mean, it's just unbelievable. As I listen to them 
and just shared. And, and as I was thinking about what was said last week, and one person shared, you know, what's true is a church is just full of broken people. But y'all look nice this morning. But you're broken. You're hurting. Life hasn't been easy this week. And so you come to church and then I say to you, hey, you know what, love, and I define love this way. And then I say, hey, you know what, we probably should love people around us with a pure heart, good conscience, sincere faith. And say, yeah, that, I mean, that's, and then we try to go out these doors and try to do it ourselves. You can't do it. Please don't try. Try to do it in your own strength. Fall on your face before Jesus and say, I surrender. I am surrendering. I'm going to continue to surrender. None of us like people that are in our face and just confronting us, but all of us like people that love us. That spend some time to get to know us a little bit, put their arm around us a little bit, and then, then down the road they'll say some things to us and they'll start thinking, wow, that's true. But I don't know where all of you are this morning. I know you're broken. I know you're hurting. At times we, we come and you give me three things and you think, okay, I'm going to leave church today and say, let's go. I'm going to work on this. Don't, don't. Take the three, four things. Stop. Say, Holy Spirit, help me today. Holy Spirit, I surrender. Go out into the community and to our neighborhoods and friends and work and all those places. and Yeah, talk to people. They don't know who Jesus is. They're not going to heaven. But reach out to them. Just say a word and love them. You know what would be neat? As I've been thinking about this morning, is God Almighty knew every single one of you who would be sitting. He's known this from eternity past. He's been waiting for this Sunday. So as I'm studying, he's giving me thoughts. As you're listening, the Holy Spirit's putting words into your mind. I just want to encourage you, whatever you're saying, just say surrender. Wherever he's working, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to admit you're broken. Don't be afraid to admit you got issues. You know, what's funny is, I'm sure as you're over on that side having your coffee and donuts, somebody walked up to you, hey, How's your week? Oh, man, it's been great. You just lied to him in church. <laughs> How are things going at work? Man, it was, it, was, it was good, and you had the worst work week of your life. But you're saying somebody in church, it's good. It's not. It's okay. It's okay to say, how was your week? Man, I had a tough week. Struggling. It's okay. You're not, we're not walking around saying, oh, there's a week sticker. Stamp that guy. He's weak today. You know, you know maybe he'll be better next week. No, we're brothers and sisters. We're a family. Family of broken people. Got issues, struggles, burdens, whatever you want to say. And then you take the scripture and it says, hey, Paul says to Timothy, do this. Paul, I'm sure Timothy was sitting there thinking, how do I do that? And he went to his, wherever his favorite place to pray was. And he got down on his knees and said, hey. I know how I can do this. It's through you. I know how I can have a pure heart towards somebody. I know how I can have a good conscience. I know how I can have sincere faith. It's through Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to open the Word of God. Thank you for bringing Joe and Joanna from Korea to, 
to be in Sebring, Florida today. Thank you for bringing Helen from Korea to Lake Placid so we can get a chance to meet Joe and Joanna. Wow. What an amazing God. So, Father, as I prayed first hour, I pray for the person in Korea. I know it's getting late there. It's middle of the night. Some of those students are studying, thinking, you know, is it really worth it anymore? Maybe tonight's the night I'll just end my life. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd stop that person tonight, tomorrow. That you'd provide a little bit of hope and that that person somehow, some way, would find a church, a missionary. They would find you, Jesus. And they could look back on their calendar and say, yeah, that was the night I found a little bit of hope. And I met Jesus the next week or day. 15,000 people. Wow. I pray, Lord, that through the work of your Holy Spirit, through the work of Word of Life, through the other mission organizations that are there, that that number would go down in Korea because people are finding you, Jesus. Lord, show us what our part is in Highlands County to be a ministry in Korea. Father, we got our own needs too. So I pray that you would raise a generation of family members of BFC that would be willing to admit they're broken. They would just stop and say, Jesus, I need your help today. I need your help to love people with a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Help us to be those people Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the privilege that we can gather in a family today. If you're here this morning and you'd like to pray with somebody, we have a What's Next ministry out the back, the second door on the left. We'd love to pray with you. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to spend a little time together today to open up your word. Holy Spirit, move in our family. Heal hearts, encourage hearts, strengthen believers, strengthen the warriors, go back to work tomorrow morning, and face the world with you, Jesus. You're our help, and that you would allow, that we would allow you to flow out of our lives into our community. It's your name I pray. Amen.